0: What's up, friends? Strava Craft Coffee is offering an incredible deal to our existing DNVR members right now. There's so many perks to becoming a member, and this is just one. Uh, this week until midnight on the 16th, DNVR members will receive 30% off their purchase at Strava. Guys, if you haven't tried this incredible CBD-infused coffee, now is the time. If you've taken advantage of their 20% off in the past, now you can enjoy this awesome. 30% 30% off coupon if you're a member you should receive that in your emails with details on how to retrieve your code Tis the season of giving as well. So this is a great opportunity to send a friend uh, Or any one of anyone in your life uh, a little order of Strava craft coffee So many people who have tried it have talked about different benefits But the number one one we hear is that it takes off that jittery edge from the coffee while still giving you the energy you're looking for. So check out Strava Craft Coffee, and if you're a member, use the code to get your 30% off, or if you just want to get 20% off because you're not a member yet, and we'll talk about that in a second, use the code DNVR20 to get your 20% off. Let's jump into the show. Number
1: one for the one and only,
0: DNVR. Out to Zach, Mace, Arcade and the bar Three for Mr. B in that old trophy case Number four, we're, we're still waiting for. for Well, bring on the
2: chase Out on the field, a mile high Broncos, when it's on time. Couple with a break, and a friendly orange and
0: blue to the bitter end Come and join us, the and we are NVR. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast on a feel good Friday, of course, feel good Friday and the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver online. Go over to msudenver.edu online to scope out all they have to offer 750 total classes, 40 plus hybrid programs, so many different ways for you to further your education uh, and get that degree you've been waiting on. A lot of times life gets in the way, and we totally understand that, but there's no better way to get tr- on track with that online education than at msudenver.edu slash online. Rigorous and affordable programs taught by for pre- professors who bring the real world into the classroom.
2: My boys, what's up? Oh. Happy Friday. Oh. oh, man, bum talk, feel good. Raiders week. We get to wrap up, man. I can't wait for that. We're only 48 hours away from the first time the Broncos play the Las Vegas Raiders.
3: Yeah, it doesn't sound right. How many times have you guys this week said or thought Oakland?
0: Um, I have a new thing where I just don't say the locations anymore because I already have the problem with the Chargers. So it's just the Chargers and the Raiders. I don't care where they play.
2: (laughs) That's smart. Zach, Zach, you? Oh, multiple times. I've typed it multiple times. I've said it multiple times. It's, yeah. it's, it's tough and you yeah. know, it's, it's November. And so if you want, when it's, when it's cold it's tough.
3: Yeah. It's happened twi- twice when talking on air or on podcast. And uh, uh, the thing is I, I worked on it. I was actually, uh, when I was coming back from Atlanta, I kept kind of thinking to myself, Las Vegas Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders. Because I was trying to get through the week without making a mistake, and I didn't even make it 48 hours after I had that exercise sitting on the plane trying to get it right. I'm a little, bit, I'm a little mad at myself. Eventually, I'll get used to it, but uh, I don't know. I mean, th- this one, this one may not take. It's a little, it's a little tough to have Vegas and accept Vegas as an NFL town. I'm not quite there yet.
2: Man, you're pretty tough on yourself, Mace. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. I mean, if you call them the Los Angeles Raiders, I'm not going to be hard hey. on you.
3: The question is, and I, I should have gone back and actually listened to this in every game. Have any officials said, like, timeout, Oakland? Mm-hmm.
2: Maybe.
3: Yeah, but it, if if it had happened, we would have heard about it, right? Because it would have been a joke on social media and all that it's it's or maybe
0: no one cares anymore <laughs> maybe. Yeah,
3: i think you're too hard mate. i mean <laughs> i i just know that decades ago when the colts moved to indianapolis and a referee said timeout baltimore like oh oh they got it you know they got it wrong i think the same thing happened with the cardinals when they moved to st louis so yeah it's this is,
0: this is why I think when you move cities, you should also, cha- you should have to change your name. Like, no mm. one accidentally says, like, timeout Seattle Supersonics win <laughs> <the> Oklahoma <laughs> City. You <laughs> know, like, no, right. one, no one messes that up. Um, but I do think the Raiders um, brand fits perfectly with Vegas. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll keep that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the last thing that the Oakland Raiders ever did in their franchise history was lose to the Broncos. And now uh, the Broncos will have a chance to start off their series with the Las Vegas Raiders by putting the loss in Las Vegas. Um, let's talk about this game, fellas. And, you know, we've throughout the week kind of touched on different things. Uh, that the Broncos will have to do but let's kind of start here and build the game plan like we love we love to do on Fridays Uh, let's start on the Broncos defensive side of the ball and Zach I'll start with you what do they need to do on defense to slow down this Raiders offense which slowly but surely under John Gruden has just gotten better and better
2: Oh, the Broncos need to do everything they can to stop the run. They have to commit every single resource to stopping the run, and they can do that this week because they're going to have Bryce Callahan and A.J. Boye back. At least it looks like Bryce Callahan is going to be back. A.J. Boye Boye will be back, so that'll be huge. And you're just going to have to trust those two guys. And, And Bryce Callahan has played fantastic. A.J. Boye is a pro bowler. And you may be beat by Henry Ruggs on one deep one, but he's a guy that he he hasn't been a consistent threat. So you don't have to worry about him going over the top of you multiple times in this game. But you're not going to have Shelby Harris. You're going to have a backup defensive line. Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson should be just focused pretty much every single play on the run. Uh, and then maybe Justin Simmons is your Darren Waller stopper. So that's really the only guy that you have to consistently worry about In the pass game is Darren Waller. Put Justin Simmons on him, and then everyone else commit to stopping the run. If the Raiders beat you by rushing for 150 yards because you played the pass, shame on you. You can't let that happen. If Henry Ruggs burns you three times for 80-yard touchdowns each time, but you stop the run... Well, I mean, then just good on Derek Carr for hitting those deep
3: balls. (laughs) The thing is, even if the run isn't working, they're going to stick with it if the game is going in their favor. Uh, You know, you take Josh Jacobs' workload over the course of the year. The Raiders, they're 4-0 when he rushes the ball 20 or more times. And the interesting thing there, guys, is that in three of those four games, he didn't make it to four yards a carry. So – he's running frequently he's not running necessarily effectively at least uh, in terms of getting big chunk plays now uh, one thing he did do in those four games was he scored five of his touchdowns on the ground this year three against the Panthers two against the Chiefs in that upset a uh, little over a month a little over a month ago so that's where it it's obviously incumbent upon the defensive line to be as stout as it can be considering it's all backups but it's also about keeping the game flow in uh, to a point where the raiders don't become one di- don't don't become one dimensional on the ground if they do that that means they're in front so this is also as much as the defense stopping the raiders it's also it's also a pace game and a tempo game it's also a game in which the broncos for once need to get out to a fast start and force the Raiders away from saying, we're going to ride our workhorse in Josh Jacobs?
0: Oh, man. You know what sucks is the, Ra- the the Raiders aren't a team where, in my opinion, you can just take away one of their dimensions uh, and and beat them because of it. I think they have one of the more balanced offenses in the league right now in the sense that they can beat you three different ways. They can beat you by running the ball. They can beat you by dinking and dunking their way down the field. And now, this wasn't a worry in the past, but now they can beat you by going deep. And it's not just Henry Ruggs. Uh, it's Nelson Aguilar, who has really been the, the more dangerous deep threat for them this year. Um, he's kind of you know found a home with a, with a fresh start there in Las Vegas. I did it right. Um, so I think – the Broncos need to. This is people are gonna just hate this, um, but not allow the run. Oh, um, no, <laughs> but essentially play Ben, don't break. Um, so, you want to make sure to take away long runs, you want to make sure to take away long passes. And if you can do that by kind of protecting over the top um and just having like a you know a nice shell in there on defense then i think that you can bow up in the red zone uh and try to force field goals and put this game on the offense i don't think you can just try to take away the run uh, because you're going to expose yourself to different parts of the passing game that they have just been really really good at this year so unless all that you know unless you're going to get a great game from your pass rushers which i guess you know, that would be the perfect scenario here is take away the run and rush the passer really well. Um, Then you have a great chance. But to me, I think you're going to have to play bend. Don't break on defense. Just try to take away big plays uh, and and bow your back in the red zone.
2: And here's, here's my question to you though, Ryan is why I'm okay with giving all the responsibility to the secondary and saying, you guys are on your own here is because they should be full strength. But In the run game, especially up front with that defensive line, you're dealing with an entirely second-string line here, and that can be really, really rough. That's why I'm saying just lean on your secondary guys. Lean on the highest-paid secondary in the NFL, and you know what? If they don't come up for you, well, then you're know you going to lose probably.
3: One thing, though, that probably is going to help here, you've got to back up – Defensive line for the Broncos, but they're, the Raiders—they're still not going to have Trent Brown. They've got Colt Miller de- dealing with an a- injury. Uh, now they're stouter on the interior, but guys, there could be some opportunities to expose some mis- mismatches. Whether you're talking about the defensive lineman kind of lining up a bit outside, or it's simply Malik Reed and, and Bradley Chubb over those t- over what could be two backup tackles here, there could be some opportunities <laughs> to be disruptive against that Raiders front.
0: Quickly, uh, there's been a lot like. Broncos fans, I feel like there's a lot of hate towards Derek Carr. And I don't know if you guys saw this video that came out this week, but like after watching this, I just don't know how you can you can hate Derek Carr.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. Um, I got a lot of stories about playing the Broncos, especially when they had DeMarcus Ware, Yvonne Miller, you know, Malik Jackson, you know, TJ Ward, Aqib Talib, Chris Harris, Bradley Roby. It was like, What what player are we supposed to run? Which one's going to work? You know, Brandon Marshall, you know, all those guys, Darren Stewart. Uh, Man, I've, I got a lot of memories playing these guys. Um, I think, I think one of, uh, probably not my favorite memories, but one of, one of the memories that pops into my mind is obviously I've known Vaughn, played against Vaughn now for seven years, although I won't play him this year. Never forget one of the first times I played him. I literally caught the snap. And as the ball was coming back to me, Vaughn was even with the football, and I remember catching the ball, taking one step forward. I didn't even take a drop. I took a step forward, and he sacked me. And I was just like, "What am I supposed to do? What what am I supposed to do with that?" You know. And it was one of those moments where, you know, you you, you leave that one in the memory banks. You tell your kids about it as he's getting his gold jacket and all that kind of stuff. Also, at home when he jumped on me and like literally just took the ball from me, and it happened so fast that I hit the ground. And then was like, "Where's the ball?" And he was already up celebrating with it. And I was like, "I don't know what you want me to do, coach. I'm sorry, <laughs> you know." Uh, but just some memories of those kind of plays.
2: Man, oh man, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. That's got to put a smile on everyone's face. He he's man. When we talk to him, it's just a guy that that is easy to like, and especially with the success that the Broncos had in, in those years going against him.
3: Yeah. And, uh, you know, what's interesting to look back at Derek Carr is in those games, how much trouble the Broncos caused for him. In his first three games, guys, against the Broncos, Denver picked him off four, four times, including, of course, we all remember Chris Harris Jr. taking it to the house in 2015 in Oakland when the Broncos were getting Bupkis out of their offense and Chris provided the touchdown they needed to win that thing 16 to 10, ultimately since that day guys, there ha- there have been, uh, of course games in 16, 17, 18, and 19. So since then you're looking at nine games and the Broncos haven't picked off Derek Carr. So I think when he speaks of them, he's speaking in terms of fo- of respect, deep respect. but I think there's also a level of kind of fondness because Derek Carr, I think he realizes that the games against the Broncos and the challenges that he faced as a quarterback going against those great defenses, they made him grow up, they made him adjust because he's become a different quarterback than he was in those days, a much more precise quarterback, one who went from making a good deal of of mental mistakes and mistakes on where to go with the football to one who now is incredibly precise and makes very few mistakes.
2: Well, and also he can look back on that fondly because none of the guys that he mentioned are playing. and I mean, Von Miller, the the guy he highlighted, isn't playing this weekend. So it's easier to look back when it's in the past, uh, other than if it was in the future. You know, if he was going against Malik Jackson, all the guys he mentioned, Chris Harris, Mm Akeem, Vaughn, Demarcus Ware, it'd probably be a different story. He wouldn't have a smile on his face when
0: telling those stories. Speaking of Drew uh, speaking of Derek Carr, He and Drew Locke have some interesting parallels between the beginning of their careers. And, you know, it's funny reading the responses to this tweet, which came from Josh Dubo of the AP um, from Raiders fans thinking that that this comparison is an insult to Derek Carr and Broncos (laughs) fans thinking that this comparison is an insult to Drew Locke. Um, But we talked about it on whatever day it was. Who can keep track of the days anymore? Uh, you can, I guess. Uh, you know, the, the the Derek Carr mold, obviously you'd like a little more spice from your quarterback, but when you look at the numbers Derek Carr has put up, you will take this from your quarterback. Anyways, this is just, a, you know, a a good perspective for people to have on how quarterbacks can improve. Drew Locke through, through 11 starts – 80.9 passer rating. Derek Carr threw 11 starts, 76.7 passer rating. Drew Locke threw 11 starts, 6.5 yards per attempt. Derek Carr threw 11 starts, 5.5 yards per attempt. Touchdown passes through 11. Derek Carr, 14. Drew Locke, 13. And interceptions, both had nine. So, for all intents and purposes, Drew Locke and Derek Carr had the same start to their careers, um, with Drew just probably slightly better. Uh, And it just shows you, like, it's not always instant for quarterbacks. They get it. They learn it over time. Derek Carr has an incredible touchdown to interception ratio, but he started his career through 11 starts with 14 to 9, which is just about the same as Drew Locke, 13 to 9. Um, So just think it's an important perspective for people to have. It's not always instant. Uh, And Derek Carr became more accurate. He started pushing the ball more and he started throwing more touchdowns and less interceptions as he grew in this league.
2: Well, and then what he did those final five games to round out that those first 16 starts was he kind of took off. Uh, I believe that would be he he had seven touchdowns to three interceptions after that. So you kind of got to see that. And so that's what we need to see from Drew Locke, you know, and, and and Drew needs to show us that progression this year. He can't wait for next year. And another parallel between the two, Both second round picks. Of course, Derek went a little earlier in the second round than Drew Locke. But I mean, there's a lot of similarities. Just the one thing that doesn't strike me as a similarity is I I don't think that Drew Locke wears as much makeup as Derek does.
3: Oh, but I'd say that Drew Locke has more hair product than your (laughs) Fair,
2: fair. Yep.
3: I mean, and speaking of hair product, Zach, how much did it take this morning?
2: oh man when when it's short it doesn't take much at all oh
3: my gosh i mean
0: that's, he woke up like this
2: yeah he,
3: i mean wow just, i mean the, even the by your, electrocuted it even by yeah even by your standards that's impressive it looks like i mean i was a little worried about you if you stuck your finger into the socket my <laughs> yeah just, you know
2: what I, I, I meant to i meant to push it over before the pod forgot he just oh. gra-
0: he wakes up in the morning gets a little balloon Rubs it on the head and gets going. My cat cat
2: just sits on my head in the morning and does it for me.
3: That's incredible Uh because my dog sits on my head and and nothing like that ever happened. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: Okay, so speaking of Drew Locke, uh, let's talk about the offensive game plan to beat this Raiders defense. And also just what Drew Locke needs to do to start tracking towards that good finish to the season that – everyone wants to see, except for all the people who have already pronounced his career over and just are hoping that they end up being right.
2: Be like Derek Carr and and see what he's done this year. He has taken some games over. He won that Kansas city game where he went out and threw 300 or three touchdowns, I believe 300 yards in Kansas city. But for the part, Derek Carr has been a guy that does what the team needs him to do. And drew lock needs to do that in every sense and what I mean is touchdown to interception ratio, but also just controlling what he can control. Don't be shooting the fadeaway jumpers as, as Pat Shermer described it yesterday. Well, uh, when you're in the pocket, no, instead j- just take the play that's there. Don't try to do too much. Drew told us earlier in the season that he was pressing. I don't think Derek Carr presses. And that is probably a very frustrating thing at times when he's taken the check downs and not going deep, especially earlier in his career. But also that's what the Broncos need from, from drew lock now. And that's what drew lock needs to do to show that he's the guy is that he's not going to make critical mistakes at times. So drew, you don't have to go out and throw three touchdowns and zero interceptions, but you do need to pick up first downs. uh, And it's not just all on drew in this game.
3: Yeah. it, It should be a game though, where guys, he doesn't have to press all that much, at least against this defense. It's it's, it's shaky at at best at times. I mean, obviously if you take out that Cleveland game where the Raiders defense had the benefit of facing Baker Mayfield and company with 36 mile an hour winds whipping from off Lake Erie, you take the rest of their games guys and opponents are scoring 5.2 points more than their season long averages when they take on, on these Raiders. And in 5 of the other 7 games guys teams have gone for over 400 yards and they've and they've made, and they've done it uh with, with some balance I mean you've you've seen a bunch of 300 yard passing games you've also seen uh some teams explode like the Patriots of course ran for 250 on the ground but then four other teams had good then three other teams of those games that that weren't the Cleveland game saw opponents control the game on the ground and go north of 100 so take what's there the other thing is some of this is not in Drew Lock's hands Pat Shermer has to allow him to go up-tempo. I'm not saying do it all the time, but at least have it be an element of the offense. Uh, maybe you, maybe on the second possession you say, okay, you know what? We're, we're down 3 nothing, or we're t- or maybe we're, we're still scoreless. We're going to push the tempo a little bit here and we're going to go no huddle. Just throw it in throughout the game. Start finding out if there is something to the notion that, Drew Lock can always be better when you're going up tempo,
2: when you're going without a huddle. You know what's you know really really quick on that no huddle? We, that was a huge topic of conversation this week that we had, but also that the Broncos had and Vic talking about it, Pat Shermer talking about it, Drew Locke talking about it. Guys, who was who was the least uh who or who was the most opposed to the no huddle when we talked about it with them this week? It was Drew Locke. Which was just, which was, which was crazy. I mean, Vic Fangio said that that the offense has worked when it does that. Pat Shermer says I like to go up tempo, and then Drew Locke was the guy that said, you know, when it works, it seems like you're doing everything right, but it doesn't work, and when it doesn't work, it's it's terrible. So I just found that interesting. I didn't think that
0: was Drew Locke um, being against it. I think it was him. Kind of protecting the, you know, Pat Shermer and the narrative that oh they need to go they need to go no huddle all the time. Uh, I just felt like that was a quarterback, you know, kind of playing the the middle, playing the the being on the fence of being like, well, it can be really good, but it can also be really bad. That's why we don't do it all the time. I'm not saying he's no 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 no, no
3: no no wrong. I'm sorry, sorry Zach. I think he was protecting the defense. Because he he knows what it's like when you have an offense that's going no huddle and a defense that isn't equipped for it, that tr- that struggles to keep up. And all you have to do is go back to the season where he threw 44 touchdown passes. But a bunch of them were kind of garbage time passes. And that was when Mizzou was going up tempo, started one in five, allowed a couple of 50 burgers early that season, gave up 43 points to Missouri State that year. I think, I think that comment from Drew Locke is something that was eliminated illuminated by the past of being on a team that for a, a while didn't have a competent defense to speak of and seeing the no huddle put them in some bad situations.
2: Yeah, and I'm not saying that Drew doesn't like the no huddle. I just found that interesting that the only negative narrative to come from the Broncos this week on the no huddle was from Drew. Uh but saying that they need to do that. They they need to do it before the fourth quarter and see If it's just because defenses are playing the Broncos easier in these fourth quarters and that's allowed the Broncos success, or is it really the no huddle that's helping them? Because you know what? At least try it, Pat. And if you try it in the first quarter and or the second quarter and it doesn't work, well, that's probably not a good sign about what these past two fourth quarters have meant, specifically last week when they weren't able to make the comeback. Uh, but at least you tried it because right now you're three and five. You have to win this game this weekend to keep your season alive. So might as well go out kicking, screaming and trying everything to give your team a chance to win.
0: With all of this being said, this is a classic thing that happens where we're using, you know, what's happened the last couple of weeks as a a measuring stick for what's going to happen this week. And we'll talk about it a little bit, but after the game, everyone will forget about it again in their judgment of Drew Locke the Broncos are going to be starting a fifth string right tackle. If you add Juwan James into the mix, we're talking fifth string right tackle, not a hundred percent yet, but very good chance that Calvin Anderson starts for the Broncos at right tackle. He will be the fifth person on the list to start for the bro or to play for the Broncos at right tackle this year. And so because of that, I think that we need to keep an eye on what's going on on the right side of that line. And hopefully, we're all you know, telling everyone to hush up uh, during the game because Calvin Anderson is locking it down and quieting down the right side of that line. But I don't want us to forget that Drew Locke is playing in front of a hodgepodge offensive line.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and something that's going to help, have to help that is the running game. And that's something that I think we're going to see early And we should see often, but that's one thing Pat Shermer preached on this week. When we talked to him was we got to run the ball earlier uh, and and better early on. Well, Pat, you got to stick with it. If that's going to be the case, you can't be dropping back 56 times and only running the ball with your two running backs, 14 times. You can't do that. Even if you're down 10 points, you got to stick with the run and guys, Philip Lindsay is averaging the fifth best yards per carry average in the NFL for a running back 5.8 yards per carry. He's only had one game where he's had 10 or more carries. That is crazy. And, 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 and I know, and we've talked about how, you know, Phil was going to be disrespected all season in the eyes of the fans with, with having Melvin on here. But that's terrible, you know at least he should be getting 12 carries a game and Melvin getting 12 if that's how they're going to do it. Uh, but he's only got more than 10 carries once. That is absolutely
3: crazy. And that was the game where Melvin Gordon did not play, right. And so think about that when he when he and Melvin Gordon have both been in the lineup, it's it's a counting game it's six carries seven carries eight carries nine carries it's it's a, it's absurd now I mean I get the objections to Phil in pass pro but like we've said they just they just have formations where your extra guy in pass pro is going to be a tight end or maybe you go uh, two back I do think we'll probably see quite a bit of Nick Vanette in this game and I imagine that part of that use guys is going to be uh, to help out Calvin Anderson on that right flank. But don't be afraid to use Nick Vanette and put him in the backfield as an H back and have him pick up some blitzes and then allow you to get Philip Lindsay out in the field more often. But have him as a receiving target if he's in the passing, If he if he's if you're in a, a passing situation rather than just uh rather than just trying to be a speed bump for a blocker one for a pass rusher. Pardon me. One other thing to note, guys, we haven't mentioned it, but with Corey Littleton. Testing being put on the COVID 19 reserve list for the Raiders. Uh, he's their leading tackler. There are probably going to be some opportunities at the second level to have some productive plays with Littleton not in the mix there.
0: Yeah. Uh, Littleton,
2: none.
0: Um, he
3: should have been a Bronco, right? With a name like that. <laughs>
0: that's true. Uh, first of all, I think that the narrative that Philip Lindsay is a liability in pass protection is a false narrative. I think at worst he's an average uh, uh, back in terms of uh, protecting the passer. He's obviously doesn't have a good size for it, but he's willing uh which is the first step i think for a running back and i think he's actually better than he gets credit for obviously there was one bad highlight that's going to happen when you play football you're going to end up putting some bad tape out there uh but i don't think he's a liability at all at pass protection
2: well here's the unfortunate part for phil is i do think melvin is better than him in pass protection (laughs) and phil just he hasn't proved that he can be Uh, a threat in the passing game this year and neither has
0: melvin gordon
2: (laughs) well way way more so uh i believe melvin has 20 catches on the season guys phil has two two (laughs) catches on the season which is just crazy and he has two drops on the season as well so that's just something that's really going to hold him back and it's a shame but what if i'm the broncos because i don't think they trust philip Lindsay in the passing game whether it's pass protection whether it's catching the ball out of backfield. Well, you know what? We're eight games through the season. I guess tip your hand. You know, have Melvin Gordon out there when you're going to throw the ball because you're more comfortable throwing it to him. You're more comfortable having him pass protect. And you'll still run it with him occasionally. To to Melvin's credit, he's averaging 4.1 yards per carry. That's the second best mark in his career. But put Phil in there when you're going to run the ball and run the ball more with Phil. And to me, you know, I don't like tipping my hand. But if it means getting the best players in the right situation, then you do that because Phillip Lindsay needs to run the ball more than 10 times per game. And I just think that he, him in the past game is really going to hold the coaches back. So, uh, so just fine. Tip your hand, put Melvin Gordon out there
3: yeah and unfortunately guys the numbers actually do show that philip Lindsay's struggling in pass pro he's had 20 pass pro opportunities this year according to pro football focus and he's allowed the quarterback to be hit twice so that's once every 10 by comparison melvin gordon hasn't allowed a hasn't been credited with a quarterback hit allowed in 50 pass pro snaps this year
0: yeah i mean one in 10 though like it's that's 10% of the time, you can get away with that. You that's, don't need... actually, that, that
3: that's actually really bad, though, for running what, back league-wide.
0: What I'm saying is going along what Zach is saying is you don't need to have Philip Lindsay out there for 10 passing snaps every game. You can have him out there for five. You can have him out there for six um, To just to keep the defense honest. But what I'm saying is Melvin Gordon has not been a threat. Like, no team is saying, like, wow, we really got to account for Melvin Gordon coming out of the backfield. Like, he he hasn't. Done, he had that one touchdown in the in the Steelers game, which was a great throw, great catch. But he's not making defenses. He's not keeping defenses honest by being a threat coming out of the backfield. So, uh, yes, you don't want your quarterback to get pressured um, based on the running back. But there's a lot of different ways to cover up for that. And also, you, you don't need to be putting Philip Lindsay on the field for 10 passing snaps every game. Put him on the field and hand him the ball. And run screens. My God, please run screens. Uh, screens to Melvin. Screens to Phil. Screens to Noah Fay. I don't care who they're throwing screens to. Just throw some screens, please, to keep the defense honest. They're, they're just not doing anything uh, to make the defense think twice about what's going on out there. It's way too easy. Way too you easy. Have,
2: you have such a good screen team. Guys, it's not crazy to go through the Broncos' top weapons and say that Jerry Judy may be – quote, the worst screen option that you have because Noah Fant, dangerous in a tight end screen. Phillip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon should be pretty dangerous in a running back screen. Uh, KJ Hamler should be extremely dangerous in the screen game. I still think Jerry Judy would be very good in a screen game, but I mean, he may be down there with the running backs, which is exciting, and that's why you should be using it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I want to end the uh, live portion here on a good note. We have a question here from Trotface, who says, who's had the better season so far, Judy or Ruggs? Well, this one's easy. Uh, It is Jerry Judy in a landslide. Uh, And Henry Ruggs has been okay. I think he has only 10 catches on the season, uh, but he has had some big ones. Uh, But it's been very clear that Jerry Judy is the more consistent uh, and more consistently a threat to the defense.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. All the numbers would back that. And I actually asked uh, John Gruden why they decided to pick Henry Ruggs over Jerry Judy. And I think he, w- he was telling the truth when he said we're happy with him still eat, because he mentioned Henry Ruggs isn't getting a lot of catches, but just him being on the field makes the defense be honest to the deep ball. And so I believe that they're happy with their guy and the Broncos are happy with, with their guy that they got, at least right now. Now, I, I think maybe in, you know, five years when Jerry Judy is clearly an elite receiver in the league, maybe Henry Ruggs doesn't develop into that. and He's just a speed guy. Then they'll regret it. But Henry Ruggs just being on the field does force defenses to react differently. Saying that, I think the Broncos got the better receiver.
3: Well, the Broncos, I think, needed the, the guy who was a little more of a complete package in terms, of, in terms of their offense, and they should be able to get that vertical speed elsewhere. Judy gets the nod because, because he's the more complete receiver. He's more involved in the offense. The one thing that you want to see Judy clean up, of course, is the drops, and another key one last week, Henry Ruggs, fewer opportunities, but no drops so far this year.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> I also think, though, that his uh, catch rate is like under 50% right now. Um, so not quite on the same page with uh, with Derek Carr just yet. Um, so anyways, before we go, I want to let you guys know that if you sign up right now at com and become a member and use the code Broncos, one, you're going to help us with a big competition that's going on within the DNVR family, uh, but two, you are going to get a free t-shirt of your choice from the DNVR Locker, a a free mask and a free sticker pack of your choice from the Locker as well. Uh, It's an awesome deal. You get all geared up and, uh, and of course, uh, get in on all of the content at the DNVR as well. Uh, Not just our Broncos content, but our content for all our teams. You get in on the Discord, which is pretty awesome. It's not talked about nearly enough. You know, there's just a chat room right now full of Broncos fans just chatting about what's going on in in, uh, in Broncos country. So uh, check it out. Use the code BRONCOS when you sign up to help us win this competition uh, and get in on this awesome deal.
2: All right, Ryan, let's get to our picks this week. And I'm trying to find the lines for the other games, and I'm not seeing them up right now. Well, the Chiefs are up. Are, are the Chargers also on a bye week this week? Oh, no, they're playing the Dolphins. Okay, so Chargers going into Miami to play the Dolphins. Dolphins, one-and-a-half point favorite. This is, of course, back-to-back picks. Tua versus Justin Herbert. This is an
0: interesting one. Um, I'm going to have to see it from the Chargers before I pick them. Uh, So as long as they remain the Chokers, I'm going to pick against them. Uh, Give me Tua, who really found his stride last week in his second start.
3: Yeah, I've got to go – I've got to go, Miami as well. Even though they're looking at playing this game without without Kyle Van Noy and uh, Christian Wilkins, so their defense is going to be hamstrung. But you have to pick Miami until the Chargers show that they can get something done in a close and late situation. I mean they've they've got to they've got to prove that they're not going to just fritter away the game the way they have week after week after week. And at some point, they're going to figure it out. But until that day comes, especially going cross-country, I've got to take the Dolphins and Tua in this one, guys.
2: Yeah, I'm not going to pick against the Chargers here. I'm going to pick for Tua. My guy, Tua, I think he gets it done. And what a little stretch that the Dolphins have. Last week, it's Kyler against Tua. This week, it's Justin Herbert against Tua. Next week, it's Tua versus Drew Locke. That's some fun football uh, for, for Miami to be watching. And I think Tua gets it done again along with Miami's good defense. So I think that is a fun one. And then, guys, like I said, the Chiefs are off this week, uh, so they can't get the win. That's fortunate for everyone in Broncos country. And, of course, Broncos going into Las Vegas on DraftKings Sportsbook right now. The line is set at Raiders minus four. What are you guys doing against the spread and straight up?
0: Mace, I'll let you start. I was going to let you start. Oh, you start. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, this is the first one where I have not been uh, very confident in the Broncos covering the spread. Um, I just the, – the Raiders' offense is so multiple, and the Broncos' defense is in a serious rut right now. Um, so on paper, it just doesn't feel good to me. Um, I, I don't think I've picked the, against the, uh, the Broncos on the spread all year. Um, and, uh, unfortunately that's a direction I'm going this week. I just have a really hard time seeing how the defense does enough to keep the offense in the game. I, I think the offense does a little better this week. I think they start get rolling. I think Drew Locke ends up having a decent game, but I don't trust the defense. I can't believe I'm saying that, uh, you know, it should be the other way around. Uh, but, if they give up 30 points again, I don't think the offense is going to be able to get enough done. Um, you know, I always like to set the number at 24, uh, and I think the offense can get to 24. I don't know if the defense can hold them under 24. Uh, so, unfortunately, I think the Broncos lose this one. Something along the lines of 31-24. Wow!
2: Wow! I never thought, never thought I'd hear that, right? I thought we were ending this pod on a good note. Man, that's it. That's a black
0: hole, if you ask me. It's tough. It's tough, and it won't be cold because it's indoors. Um, so <laughs> it's, even when it's climate controlled, it's tough.
3: But Zach, it's not a black
2: hole anymore; it's a Roomba. Yes, uh, it a Roomba. That's true. Well, we're just getting swept away by Brian's pick now. I got oh, my, my Roomba is
0: my Roomba is uh, white because I didn't want it to just look like the Raiders' Stadium moving around my floor all the time.
3: <laughs> oh man, man alive, guys! Well, you know. I want to pick the Broncos to win straight up. It, it's just, it's, 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 it's hard right now, even though I think they're going to put some points on the board. If you take out that Cleveland game, like I said, the Raiders allowing uh 5.2 points more uh, uh, than the average of uh, their opponents score. And that, that puts the Broncos right at 27 points for this game. Uh, if, if they, if they score about five points above their season long average, of course, the problem is, I think the Raiders are going to put up points. I've got the Broncos beating the spread, but losing on the scoreboard 30 to 27.
2: Mm. Yeah, guys, I feel so differently about this game than you guys. At the beginning of this week, so good about the Broncos chances, not just to cover the spread but to win straight up because the Raiders right now, according to pro football reference, their estimated win total, I believe is just over. It's right around three or four games is what they should be to where all of their stats are. They don't do really one thing in particular very well, except Derek Carr is just playing out of his mind. But again, he's not taking over games consistently and they don't turn the ball over. So they have those two things that that are really going for them. And those are two things that, that you can't deny other than that. They run the ball a lot, but they don't average a great yards per carry. You can run against their defense. You can pass against their defense. There's a lot of things you can do to win this game. And the Broncos have to win this game. So for all of those reasons, I really like the Broncos to go in there and win this game straight up until yesterday. Until yesterday when Mm -hmm. we find out the Broncos are going to be on fifth string right tackle most likely and without Shelby Harris, those two things to me just flip this game. Now I don't have the Broncos winning. I don't even have the Broncos covering the spread. The score I really like is so close to Maces. 3127. But because that's pushing, that that's the score I'm gonna go with, but because it's pushing, I'm gonna go 3126. I think the Raiders cover the spread in this one.
3: Oh, oh man, I can't believe we're gonna have our picks on social media on Sunday. I'm gonna be standing alone with orange next to my with my name in orange and white. I can't believe I'm I can't believe I'm the optimist here, but I do get what you're saying. Like, I'm not as believe it or not. I'm not as worried about Calvin Anderson as I would have been with Jake Rogers. And honestly, with all respect to Calvin Anderson and Jake Rogers, I don't think Anderson can do worse than Jake Rogers did in the second half and uh, uh, did. Last year, even though he did get a game ball for one of his performances last year. But losing Shelby Harris is, is the one that got me from thinking the Broncos win this game straight up when the week starts. I'm thinking Shelby back, Boye back, Callahan back. They're going to pull this one off. Without Shelby Harris, I feel like uh, it might be too much for the run defense to bear. Josh Jacobs, I think, will get into a groove, will tote the ball more than 20 times. And that's the Raiders playing the game they want to play.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm also just testing out to see if I can get some reverse juju going here. <laughs> uh, I've picked the Broncos against the spread every game. Now, they have covered the spread uh, in five out of eight.
2: Yeah, so um, five and three.
0: Yep, they're five and three against the spread, but only three and five in those games. So I got to see, if I pick them uh, to not cover the spread, what does their record end up being uh, in those games? So uh, we'll see what happens. I, I don't think it's – there's. I do think there are paths – for the Broncos to win. Um, but a big part of that path is the defense. Uh, and I just don't trust them right now, especially without their entire starting defensive line.
2: Well, and that that's fair. And the Raiders are four and O when they score more than 30 points this year. In fact, mm-hmm. four of their five wins, they've scored more than 30 points. So uh, that's going to be their formula to win. And the Broncos just don't match it well this week.
3: So I hope we're all wrong on the, and the scoreboard being straight up because if this team is three and six, conversations unfortunately probably start changing about what we're discussing regarding the Broncos short and long term.
0: Possible, yeah, it's possible. I mean, you definitely got to win one out of these next two, and they're both against teams that are playing pretty darn good football. So, um, got to get one of these. We'll see if they get it this week. Uh, we will, of course, continue this conversation in the podcast format. We'd ho- we'd love if you guys. Listen in, and and uh, of course, if you subscribe using the code Broncos, you can get in on the conversation in the comments section. Uh, but for now, on the live side of things, that is going to wrap it up for us. So we'll talk to you guys later. All right, before we move on, a shout out to Breckenridge Brewery, damn good beers. It's a Breck Brew Friday, so get on down to your local liquor store or your local grocery store and get you some Breck Brews. If you don't know where you can go to find Breck Brews, you can always use the Breck Brew Locator on their website. Type in how far you you're willing to go and it'll show you where the nearest Breck brews are to you. You can get down there, get some Strawberry Sky, get some Hot Peak. There's a new IPA called Juice Drop, which I've heard is amazing, a little hazy IPA. So uh, whatever is your beer of choice, Breck Brew has something for you, and no matter what it is, it's always going to be a damn good good beer.
2: Mm, And to have a damn good time this weekend, make sure to head over to DraftKings Sportsbook because, guys, this Sunday will be like no other. With the big golf tournament down in Augusta and both college and pro football underway again this weekend, there's going to be so much action on DraftKings Sportsbook and that's America's top rated sportsbook app. And if you haven't tried it yet, yet make sure to head to the app store now because you don't want to miss this offer to celebrate Sunday's action on the football field. DraftKings is ensuring all new users are covered up to $100. That's right. You bet. And they cover with risk-free Sunday betting on all of Sunday's action. There's so much action heading heading up at DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure to check it out. And They'll have so many odds boosts going on for the golf tournament in Augusta this weekend. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So head to the App Store now, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is ensuring your Sunday bets up to $100. All you have to do is bet, and they cover it up to $100 when you use the promo code DNVR during sign-up. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Risk-free coverage paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All
0: right, let's jump into the comments section here, boys, and I'll let you guys lead us off. Why don't we start with Mace?
1: Muted.
3: Thank you. All right. Well, did you really want to? I muted myself because did you really want to hear me going like that? Like because I was kind of clearing my nose a little bit so i do it for you
2: (laughs) thank you mace and (laughs) i i'd I'd just let you know when you're muted for you
3: yes yes that's exactly what i want to hear in my ear today hey guys short question but not football related today i am from germany and my friends and i would like to celebrate thanksgiving this year my friend lived for over five years in america and he said the traditional family recipes for the stuffing, et cetera, are the best. So I'd like to know if you guys could send me an email with your traditional and typical Colorado Thanksgiving recipe it would be so nice and helpful. Love you guys. Go Broncos.
0: Man, uh, you know, for me, the, the most important part of any Thanksgiving dinner is the stuffing. And the biggest mistake you can ever make with stuffing is trying to get cute with it. There's, you don't need to do anything other than just what it says. On the uh, what is it, Stenson's or what's the name of that company? Uh, it's like a it's like the company, the same company that makes the Stouffer's, chicken broth, right? Or is it stove? Yeah, maybe it's Stoufers or Stovetop, Stovetop. Yeah, whatever it is, just get the classic stuffing. Don't do anything fancy. Just put in you know the celery and the in the onions uh, and the chicken broth and whatever else it calls for. Uh, and that's the best part of it. And then, of course, you got to get the canned cranberry sauce uh, to go along with it. Don't mess around. You know, th- w- where people mess up Thanksgiving dinner is trying to get fancy with it when you just need to go with the classics.
3: Yeah. And with the cranberry sauce, just canned and not with the cranberries actually in it. You just want it smooth. You want the ocean spray, jellied cranberry sauce that you slip out of the can and it's got the neat little ridges on it.
2: Delicious. What more could you ask for?
0: nothing i feel like it might scare some people away the first time they see it but uh it's
2: delicious (laughs) and i know ryan's a stuffing man so that's that's where you go
0: yep big stuffing guy uh other than that like do you guys have any traditional recipes uh that that you that you want to pass along
2: man i don't have any traditional recipes uh i just i love mashed potatoes and gravy Pretty straightforward.
0: There. Again, no, no need to mess with mashed potatoes <laughs> or gravy. Maybe adding like some Parmesan to the mashed potatoes, that can always help. Mm, Cheese can never good. hurt anything.
3: But if we want a Colorado Thanksgiving, what I'm going to suggest doesn't really scream Colorado, and that is sweet potato casserole, where you've, you've got some sweet potatoes, you've got some brown sugar, and topped with
2: a layer of marshmallows. <laughs> oh, mm. wow. Never had that before. Oh,
0: it's amazing. Uh, speaking- you know, I do bring a dish I, I added a dish to my family's uh, spread last year that I think is important to have in Thanksgiving dinner uh, and that is, and this is this has some Colorado vibe to it. That is green chili mac and cheese. Um, mm. I can't give away my recipe publicly uh, because it's just that good but if you uh, if you reach out to me, if you email me i will uh, I'll tell you the, the trick to uh, to the correct green chili mac and cheese
2: i may be uh sliding into your emails ryan watch out
0: it's very simple and it might even sound a little weird but it, it delivers 10 times out of 10 oh manning's
2: Ooh. forehead chimes in with a simple message and it is the calvin anderson calvin anderson quiet emoji that's it yep we may be seeing calvin Ooh. anderson this week it we is time. time next one coming may, in may, oh maybe he guy
3: Maybe Calvin Anderson will do such a good job that the revolving door of right tackles will stop. He'll be the – seven if he starts, he'll be the 17th right tackle since 2014 to start for the Broncos. Oh, my goodness.
2: Oh, my goodness.
3: Someone at CBS needs to get that carousel going. No,
0: please no. <laughs> but you, don't,
3: you don't want to see what Paul Cornick looks like? You, you, maybe you've forgotten
0: Haven't we suffered enough? Oh man!
3: (laughs) All right, count locula with bum talk Friday, as in Bum Phillips, who began his college football career at Lamar Junior College, not Lamar University, where Amelia Bedelia illustrator Lynn Sweat went. That children's series has produced has published forty one books. Carl Pema was number 41. He went to Culver City High School, and so did Metallica bassist Rob Trujillo, who was not in the band in 1981 when they formed, and during the same year when Bum was coaching the Saints, who, yes, had Archie Manning, but more interestingly, also had Benny Ricardo as place kicker. Ricardo was the first NFL player from Paraguay, and he started his career with the Southern California son of the World Football League, who may indeed have donned the ugliest uniforms ever. Their colors were magenta and orange. Yes, you read that right. Look up the photos on the internet. They are spectacular. Love the count.
0: Thank you, Count, for wow. that um, <laughs> meandering, I will call it, history
2: <laughs> Yeah, that was incredible. I, you lost me, but I'm sure there was a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah. From Manning's
0: can- forehead. Went back to look at the coverage people did of Pat Shermer when he was hired in Manning. Man. I don't get how this isn't a perfect Lock and Shermer. Lock should be a perfect quarterback for a spread slash West Coast offense, but it just isn't happening. And almost all the quarterbacks you've coached have had a career high completion percentage. Lock is down by eight percent. Eight percent. This is so frustrating. Yeah, I just I don't think Pat Shermer is in a rhythm at all, and I just don't know why. Maybe it's the offensive line. Maybe it's something Drew is doing, but he is not calling high percentage plays for Drew.
2: No, it seems like everything kind of is off with the offense. And it's not just every play that he calls isn't good. There's good plays that he's calling. It just seems like the wrong people are in there. Drew's looking the wrong place when it happens. The wrong running backs in there. When he calls these plays, it does seem like something's off for them with the entire offense.
0: Yeah, it's true.
2: Next one coming in from Casper. Fellas. The theme this week has been all about keeping the OC or not. Well, let me get your opinions on this. What about letting Shermer go and promoting Mike Munchak to offensive coordinator? He can keep the basics of the system in place so the players don't have to completely start over. Also, he wanted to come to Denver because of family. So if that is a good fit... He could hold down the position for years to come and have a relationship with Locke similar to what Manning had with Tom Moore in Indianapolis.
3: Do we want a first time play caller? Because that's what Munchak would be. He's an outstanding offensive line coach. And I think if he gets another shot as a head coach, I think he'll do pretty well having learned from the ups and downs that happened in Tennessee. But this is, but, he'd be a head coach who'd kind of be supervising everything with a little bit of extra work with the offensive line. He's not somebody who's a play caller. He doesn't have that in his background. So, yeah, it it sounds good in theory until you really dive into Mike Munchak's resume and realize he doesn't have any experience with it.
0: You have no choice but to ride with Pat Shermer for the rest of this year and hope that he gives you reason to keep him. Uh, and I'm talking about like just any little thing to snag onto because the last thing you want to do is have a new play caller or, or a new system or any of that. You just, it's, you know, I've gone back and forth this after the game, I was crushing Pat Shurmur and saying, you might have to fire him. And now that I've got my wits about me a little bit more, I'm just like, you have to pray mm-hmm. that you don't have to fire Pat Shermer. Like, the, like if you don't have to, you probably shouldn't.
2: Yeah. And that's why I think uh, Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio get, every benefit of the doubt but there is a point where that benefit runs out and it's if you go 3 and 13 and you like lose every game the rest of the season or you go 4 and 14 or 4 and 12 and just have a terrible end but i do think that both of them are going to get the benefit of the doubt and while some people will hate that and i'll understand it there's also going to be logic behind it because you can't be you can't have success in the NFL without consistency
3: well if it's 3 and 13 Zach They're mashing the reset button, and so that means you're you're just you're you are blowing it up at least in terms of what you've got uh, of 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 what you've got kind of organizationally. You are three and thirteen, or even four and twelve, means you're probably starting over on the offense and may and probably starting over at quarterback as well. But if Drew Locke shows enough to where maybe you're bringing in a hedge, but you're still starting him next year, then I think if you did change the OC. There's only one change you could make and it would be Mike Shula who has called plays before bumping him up from quarterback coach. That's the only viable change you can make that wouldn't
2: completely disrupt everything. Yeah. Mike Munchak never been an offensive coordinator, which is crazy.
0: Before we go too much further, a shout out to Chevalier mortgage. You can reach Mike and Virginia Chevalier at 303-257-6578 or check them out at dnvrmortgage.com. They're diehard Broncos fans. They're DNVR supporters just like you. And they've been a husband and wife team for 15 years in the financial services industry. So, again, dnvrmortgage.com is where you can go to get a free consultation and also get entered to win a free DNVR shirt or hat since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage your largest debts. They want to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home That includes your long-term and short-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to get the best loan for you. So visit them at dnvrmortgage.com or call them at 303-257-6578. That's Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006, and Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631.
2: Guys, we have such an awesome weekend of sports coming up. And you guys can get in on the action. Not only at Drafting Sportsbook, but you can play the DNVR Masters with us. Starting tonight, Friday night through Sunday, we will be hosting the DNVR <laughs> Masters with that beautiful music in the background. And all country clubs on WGT Golf can participate with us. And anyone can win, guys. Anyone. All you have to do is join the DNVR Three Country Club. If you, have, if you haven't played, head to Pinehurst Golf Course and enter into the closest to the whole challenge. Submit your screenshot on our pinned Twitter thread, DNVR Sports, or email them to info at thednvr.com. Once you have entered to win, we will choose a random winner each week to pick out a DNVR shirt of their choice and a mask, and we'll ship it to you. We're hosting one of these every single week up until Christmas, and winners are picked on Monday. So you've got nothing to lose. WGT Golf is free. Entering these tournaments are free. And, guys, it's a ton of fun. So head to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT and join the DNVR3 Country Club. Head to Pinehurst Golf Course. Hit some balls to get closest to the hole. Enter your screenshot, and there you go. You could win. Guys, it's a blast. It's so much fun to do over this weekend. So make sure to check out WGT Golf.
3: Bush Cassidy says, I want this one, guys. I want this more than McManus wants the record breaker. This week's 58-yard field goals at the Broncos' offense will go hurry up in the first quarter and score at least two first-half touchdowns. Please, dear God, let us bleep the Raiders up this week. Kicks, gentlemen, i.e., what are your 58-yard field goals this week, guys?
0: It's very sad to me that uh, scoring 14 points in the first half <laughs> is considered a 58-yard field goal at this point. But you know what? I think he's right. Um I'm going to say that my 58 yard field goal this week is that Jerry Judy, uh, gets two touchdowns, um, with Drew, uh, with Drew Locke losing his favorite target and Albert Bunam. Jerry Judy will now become his favorite target. And, uh, we, we saw last week that he's open on every play. So, uh, Drew finds him maybe on a similar comeback route, and he makes a move and gets into the end zone. Uh, and then he also finds him kind of dragging along the backside of the end zone for a second touchdown. Two touchdown game for Jerry Judy.
2: Oh, man, I would love that. I'm going to stick with Jerry Judy as well, except I'm going to throw his college teammate, Henry Ruggs, in there as well. I'm going to say those two guys lead each team in receiving yards this week. I say Henry Ruggs is the Raiders' best receiving uh, weapon this week, and Jerry Judy is the Broncos' best.
3: All right. I am. Uh... I wanted to take Jerry, Judy, two touchdowns, but I don't want to mimic everybody else. So the 58 yard field goal is going to be Calvin Thomas or Calvin Anderson. Sorry, making his debut (laughs) and not allowing a sack.
0: Oh, there we go. Yeah. Hushing the pass rush, showing (laughs) some
3: potential. I mean, obviously the Broncos like him obviously Mike Munchak likes him they've kept him around for a reason he's a developmental guy I think uh, I think he'll hold his own
0: it's gonna Man. be a tough tough look for him if he has a really bad game so I hope he has a good one <laughs> yes
2: well we'll all be hoping that we're not saying his name and that we're quiet during the game
0: absolutely yeah.
2: All right, ryan has got to run, so Mason, I'll take you through the home stretch. Next one coming in from Bronco Turp. My boys, I've done a lot of thinking these last 24 hours, and I've got to say I've come around on this week being the one that turns the season around. The Chargers game will be the turning point for Locke's career, but Sunday will be the game that changes the trajectory of 2020. I think this is the week that Pat and Drew finally get on the same page and unleash the fury. The player and staff comments from this past week seem to indicate they both understand their faults and the urgency to get off to a fast start. There's been enough evidence the last three to four weeks to indicate that what works and what doesn't. If we can see it, I'd have to imagine so Pat can as well. I may be eating my words come Monday, but the closer we get to the weekend, I'm ready for the coronation of the lock-friendly Broncos offense.
3: Well, we just hope that uh, the coronation or the potential coronation – isn't affected by continued issues at right tackle. So you hope that Calvin Anderson can be quiet and go about his work and do it pretty well, because, uh, that's the sort of thing that, uh, that may allow this to work. Or if Anderson does not prove up to the task may short circuit it before you can really get it going.
2: Yeah. And, uh, I hope that they're all on the same page. You know, you, you said that the Bronco, that Locke's turning point in his career was the Chargers game. Well, you really hated seeing the next three quarters after that be duds. So uh, I, I hope that they're all on the same page now because they weren't last week.
3: Exactly. Negative, false, positive. You can do the old semi-up tempo, hurry to the line, and then waste a bunch of time. Manning used to do that. You can still run, too. In fact, RPO is made for that. I don't know why this hasn't been tried. You can utilize simpler plays to help Locke. Speaking of Locke, didn't he use VR to learn how to diagnose defenses? Do we know if he's doing that now? That's a good question. In fact, uh, I think it's probably something uh, worth asking of Locke uh, next week when he has his his press gaggle availability on Zoom is uh, whether he's still doing the VR.
2: Yeah, and that was something that Rich Scangarello wanted to bring over to the Broncos, so he brought it over with him, uh, and that's why Drew was doing that. But I think what's important to remember about these VR things is it's it's not like you're playing Madden in the VR and you're actually getting to play the game through VR. No, you're just watching practice. At least that's how it was for, for Drew last year. You're just watching it through the eyes of a quarterback.
3: Exactly. Moving on. Good. Long comment here from Race City Bronco. Hey, guys, question for May since we've been discussing something on Twitter. I wanted to bring this to the forum where it can be answered in more depth. May states that with Patrick Mahomes at the helm, the Chiefs will win the AFC West at least 50% of the time. He cites Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson as the examples, which I have to concede are some very good points. However, I think Mahomes will be more like Dan Marino with a strong start to his career and a franchise performance which fizzles a little bit later on. See, none of the quarterbacks he mentioned had to compete against another strong quarterback in their division. Dan Marino was a wunderkind and a record breaker when he first began, but once Jim Kelly joined the Bills, the Dolphins' dominance in the conference ended. As another example, look at Drew Brees' career in the NFC South, where the Saints have been solid, but have not dominated once Matt Ryan and Cam Newton joined the division. I'd also like to point out that Russell Wilson has not won the NFC West since Jared Goff became a starter. I know Patrick Mahomes is pretty great, but he's also in a perfect storm right now with a great offensive coach paired with some amazing weapons around him. However, the Chiefs are head for cap purgatory soon, and who knows how long an aging Andy Reid, who has always already been to several Super Bowls and may win another this year, will want to keep coaching. I believe the ascension of Drew Locking, Justin Herbert in this, in this division will make the AFC West a toss-up. Okay, Mace, burst my bubble and tell me I'm wrong. By the way, I'm a huge fan of yours and have been following your work ever since you first joined the Broncos. I used to rock my son to sleep watching your videos, and now he's grown up and off to college. Go catamounts. Well,
1: I don't know what it
3: says about those early videos if it's if they're used to get a, a kid to sleep.
2: Well, Mace, uh, what, you, what you could say is they're helpful.
3: Yes. I, I wasn't going for the, uh, for, for the soothing Brahms lullaby type of thing, but... <laughs> okay i i do appreciate it, that that race city of bronco and marino is a it, it's a he's a good example but one thing also was going on with dan marino while he was with miami and and this is part of just how overall team building does matter and that is in miami you can't have an incompetent defense and the thing with the dolphins is that time after time year after year the defense let down. Uh, And you don't have to have a great defense if you've got a Hall of Fame type of quarterback. But you at least want it to be mid-tier. And for the years that Dan Marino was together with the late Don Shula, 83 through 95, before Jimmy Johnson came in, the Dolphins were 25th in total defense when taking... That entire 13-year stretch, they were consistently lousy on defense. It caught up to them. I mean, I'm sure you can recall that you may be able to recall some of the shootouts that uh, the, the Dolphins lost o- over that time. So I think, I, I think if the Chiefs have a greater commitment to team building, they'll avoid this fate. The other thing is, and this is just watching Patrick Mahomes. I think Mahomes is a more complete quarterback than Dan Marino was. Certainly, he has the ability to do to to, to do things with his legs as well. I, and I think what will probably happen is between Mahomes' skill set, plus being in a more favorable era for quarterbacks than the '80s and early '90s were, I think what you I think what you'll see is even as some of those stars start slipping away from Kansas City because of the need to be in cap compliance, I think what we will see uh, Mahomes continue to improve and thus he won't have to have the same guys. It'll be a little bit of the Aaron Rodgers make the players around him better type of thing that develops. And and kind of like with Russell Wilson in Seattle, you know, early in his career, they had that great defense, right? Yep. And now the, the things have kind of flipped a little bit. Russ is getting a higher percentage of the cap. So Seattle's team building equation has changed, but, it's still keeping them as one of the better teams in the league and a year-in, year-out contender.
2: Yeah. Mace, I had this – we had this conversation right around Super Bowl time, and I don't know if Ray City Bronco was rolling with us then. And I made – what so many thought, <laughs> people thought was the ludicrous statement that, that Patrick Mahomes was going to win more than 50% of the AFC West division titles. Well, look what he's done. He's on his way to another one now, and there's, there, there's no stopping him. And uh, Ray City Bronco points to uh, a few encouraging signs, like Russell Wilson not winning the division. Drew Brees not winning the division. Patrick, or, or uh, um, the, the Hall of Famer and Dan Marino, you know, not having a ton of team success mace we're those are hall of fame quarterbacks we're talking about we're talking about a different level of quarterback when it comes to patrick mahomes everything would indicate that and i'm not going to go too far like i did the last time because it got me in a lot of trouble with broncos country but we truly are dealing with a guy that is on pace to be the best ever it's just as simple as that so uh and i don't think when andy reed leaves that that the chiefs are going to say, okay, let's put Patrick Mahomes in a very unfriendly quarterback system. No, it's going to be like when Peyton Manning was around, it was was the Peyton Manning offense. It wasn't his offensive coordinator's offense. It was the Peyton Manning offense. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be the Patrick Mahomes offense for the next 15 years. So uh, I I like the positivity that you bring to this race city Bronco and, and the optimism, but Patrick Mahomes is a different beast than anything we've seen in the NFL before.
3: And the other thing also, you make some really good points, Zach, even though I know that some of our listeners may be cringing right now hearing them, but it's just kind of the reality. Patrick Mahomes is also a very strong quarterback mentally. He's right. one of those guys who has that photographic memory. Things stick with him. So he doesn't just have the physical tools and the leadership attributes. He's got what you need upstairs. And that's actually, the when I look at Mahomes and Dan Marino, I'm not saying that Dan Marino was somebody who, you know, isn't smart, but Mahomes is on another level kind of – he's closer to that Peyton Manning type of level in terms of how his brain processes things, whereas Dan Marino was probably a level lower than that. And the other thing with Drew Brees that's interesting, you know, he – and that's why I kind of point to the NFC South and what the Falcons did with Matt Ryan as sort of a template for what it might look like if the Broncos can figure out the quarterback position and be a consistent contender. Now with breeze and the saints over the course of his 14 years as quarterback prior to this year, they won the division seven times and it looks like it's head toward eight this year. And the thing is there will be some stretches probably Maybe even a, a solid three to five year stretch where the Chiefs are good and, con, and contending, and Mahomes is doing some big things, but others win the division. Like the, the Saints went through a period actually where they finished seven and nine four years out of five. And the other year they went 11 and five and made the playoffs as a wild, as a wild card team. But that's where then you kind of step back and you see the Saints having reasserted control over the last three and a half seasons in the NFC South. So it's sort of a big picture thing as well as looking at the broad sample size. You know, the Chiefs are probably going to win their their third division title with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, third consecutive division title. And I'll bet you at some point if Mahomes plays 15 to 18 years for the Chiefs, they have a a three-year run where they don't win the division, where somebody else takes control. But in the but in the bigger picture the chances are good that the Chiefs with Mahomes, even if they take a dip for a couple of years, will reassert themselves over the long haul. And that's why, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm saying 50%, and I think that's actually probably being optimistic, but that is also saying that I expect somebody in the division is going to develop a quarterback that makes them a, consistent, a reasonably consistent challenger like we saw with the Falcons and Matt Ryan, like we saw from a, for a burst in the NFC South with Cam Newton in Carolina. You just hope it's the Broncos and not the Chargers who are mounting that challenge.
2: Yep. You're exactly right, Mason. That's why it's important to find out if Drew Locke is the guy this year, because if he's not, man, I'm really liking the, the mm-hmm. batch of quarterbacks coming up in next year's draft class. And that that's what it all boils down to is if you mm-hmm. want to compete with Patrick Mahomes for the long term. It's, you got to get that guy. It, it's just as simple as that.
3: You do. But great comment, Race City yes, Bronco. And I yes. appreciate you chiming in and appreciate the kind words. And you know what? I also appreciate your optimism.
2: Yes, I absolutely. I do as well. And Mace, I also appreciate anyone that's still rolling with us right now. <laughs> and I'm just kidding. Next one coming in from Drew Lockett. Hey, gentlemen, random hypothetical on the one, on this wonderful Friday. I'm only asking because my wife and I disagreed about this last night and I wanted to get your opinion. Would you rather in your life right now be really strong, but not look really strong or look really strong, but not be really strong <laughs> Interesting. In other words, would you rather be skinny or fat and be able to lift absurd amounts of weight or just be ripped and jacked but not be able to lift that much? I'd rather be the latter. Very rarely in my everyday life am I asked to lift heavy things. So I really have no need to be super strong. But if I could look nice without a shirt on, that would be awesome. My wife chose the other option and said life is about being healthy, not looking healthy spoken like a true nerd, but whatever. I still love her. And the parlance of Deion Sanders. If you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. If you play good, they pay good. Thanks for everything you do. Stay happy and healthy.
3: Yeah. I've got to go with your wife there, Drew Locker. I
2: think
3: he, I think you got to feel good rather than look good. I think feeling good is more important than what's on the surface. You got to, you know, if, if you, if you scratch past the surface and, uh, you don't, and you don't feel good. Then what's the point of looking good?
2: <laughs> man, I, you know, th- this is really a question that boils down to: Are you shallow or not? And yeah, I guess this one, I'm shallow. Oh, give me, give me oh, the good looks. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> because he, he, ma- he makes the good point. How often are you <laughs> needing to lift heavy things? As long as you look the part, you should be good.
3: <laughs> oh man, I, 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 I was, I didn't
2: want to use that word. I, <laughs> I, I didn't want to go there. Oh boy uh, i did and then be, because i could say it because i got to uh to agree with him <laughs> that's true the other ryan my boys happy bum talk
3: fired up feel good football friday and masters weekend divisional games can be a crapshoot the raiders have beaten broncos teams when they were bad and we should have won see oakland at denver 08 09 2015 or denver at oakland 2018 it's our time to return the favor. On this fill-in-the-blank Friday, the Broncos upset the Raiders in Sin City. If one, two, and three transpire, have a wonderful weekend, DMV Army salute.
2: Mm, well, the Broncos have to win the turnover battle. the The Raiders are are pretty good at not doing that, and also that's just a good way to win in the NFL. If the Broncos hold the Raiders under hundred yards of rushing, I mean that that'll be huge for the Broncos. and if the broncos score 14 points in the first half. Okay, so you're talking about the fast start and
3: yeah. uh, that's that's something that I think uh is essential in this game. I think three things if three things happen. If the broncos are leading at halftime, if they win the turnover margin and if they hold Josh Jacobs to under 20 carries. All right. Because if they do that, if the Josh Jacobs under 20 carries would also really be a function of be- being in front early and yep. forcing the Raiders
2: out of the game that they want to play. Yeah, exactly. So we're right on the same page there, Mesa. I like that. Next one from the big T says, Hey guys, no, not Pikes Peak Raceway. I was talking about Race to the Clouds, the annual hill climb. I had never even heard of PPIR, so yeah, it's not famous. But the Pikes Peak Hill Climb is, and on my bucket list, I'll go watch one day. Oh, awesome! Well, I haven't heard of Race to the Clouds.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's an annual automobile and motorcycle hill climb to the summit of Pikes Peak. Yeah, it's a it's a self-sanctioned race. What they you know, so it's Okay. okay
2: fascinating
3: uh, yeah it's i mean i've i've heard of it but i honestly don't know much about it it's uh you know it's i don't know i guess i'm i'm just kind of more of a racing on a on a track kind of thing but uh <laughs> it looks pretty it looks pretty interesting though now that i'm 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 reading about it here on my on my on my browser
2: wait so it's motor it's it's motorsport and they ride up to the top of pike's peak Uh uh-huh yes oh that does sound cool yeah no never never heard of it the big t but uh man that'd be fun to partake in
3: yeah it's been a it's a it's it's been a race that uh you know used it historically was on dirt but now it the, the 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 track is paved a little bit is paved so a little smoother of a ride but yeah this is uh yeah first pike i'm reading this on wikipedia First Pikes Peak Hill Climb was promoted by Spencer Penrose, who was a big part of building the Broadmoor Resort down
2: in Colorado Springs. Mm. Cool. Man, the, the big T going to come here, check out the DNBR wow. bar, stay at the Broadmoor, do a little uh, race to the clouds on Pikes Peak. Sounds like yeah. a good week.
3: And, of course, you've got it, a befitting a, a mountain road. You've got, you know, you got a lot of twists and turns. You've got uh, some switchbacks as you're headed up Pikes Peak. Man, that's – and you go from – you start at nine thousand three hundred ninety feet, and then you go all the way up to fourteen thousand one
2: hundred ten feet. And how how long does it take, Mesa? Are there like uh, top times or anything?
3: Yeah, let's uh look looking here right now. The uh, current uh, the current motorcycle record is uh, nine minutes and forty four point nine six three oh. seconds. Wow, that's hauling! That's hauling! On, so you're going. That's twelve. So you're you're going twelve miles. So you're going. You, 12.42 miles so if you're doing that under 10, under 10 minutes i mean you're going about roughly 75 <laughs> miles an hour but doing that on a, a mountain road i mean wow. wow okay i gotta check this out
2: yeah that's uh it sounds very interesting now man i love that and race i think or, or mace not race i think last one coming in from mm-hmm. bronco oilers i was thinking about race city broncos question there he says yeah. hey guys The more and more I think about this season, the more I ask myself, is Vic Fangio the right coach for this team? I was completely supportive of the hire once it was made. We invested a lot of resources on our defense, and after the VJ experiment ended the way it did, it made sense to err on the side of experience, and I gave the FO a lot of credit for zagging with the older defensive coach when the trend was to zig the other way with offensive-minded coaches. That being said, Looking at the makeup of this roster currently, the issue that needs to be addressed, would Vic Fangio be the hire if he made the decision today? With the importance of developing Locke, the young core of Sutton, Judy, Hamler, Fant, Lindsey, Okuebunam, et etc., it seemed to me like an offensive-minded coach is the way to go. We have a quite veteran defense with really solid coaching depth on that side of the ball. So it does make me question whether or not Vic is the right guy for where we are right now.
3: That is an interesting point, Broncoilers. And, uh, And actually it's one that uh, if there were, if there were a change and I don't think there would be, but I wonder if that's something that would come into uh, the Broncos thinking. I mean, earlier in this podcast, Zach, you kind of put out the worst case scenario of things totally collapse and they go like three and 13 or, or four and 12. And I would actually say that probably uh, they'd be looking toward the offensive side of things. Now, uh, there's some notion uh, for preferring defensive coaches. I mean, uh, there, there are some organizations that prefer to hire defensive co- coaches because they're better uh, perceived to be better problem solvers because they kind of say, okay, you have to respond to an opposing offense, uh, respond to them pushing the envelope. What do you do? So uh, that's, if the Broncos weren't hiring an offensive coach, you'd have to say that the, both the equally, of equal importance to the head coach hire would be the offensive coordinator. But uh, yeah, that it's a really good point. And uh, I would say this, I mean, let's say it doesn't work out over the next uh, season and a half and they do make a change. Then I think the Broncos would be looking for offense.
2: Yeah. Where it stands right now, Mace, the Broncos would certainly have to be looking for for an offensive guy Uh, and Mace it's, it's really interesting, but here's the thing. If you find the right head coach, it doesn't matter if they're on the offensive side or the defensive side for the long term. So, this really boils down to is Vic the right guy for the long term? Because if he is, then it doesn't matter if he's on the offensive or defensive side. But, Bronco you're 100% right. If the Broncos are hiring a head coach right now, you definitely go to the offensive side of the ball. And then, Mace, then you, you can get whatever coach you want that's not already a head coach. Then you can get a top offensive coordinator in the NFL. You can get Lincoln Riley if you're able to sell him on that. But, You're not hiring a defensive head coach and then bringing in a guy like Lincoln Riley or another offensive coordinator to be your offensive guy. So that's the big advantage you would have there. 100%. All right, Mace, that'll do it for this week. Thank you guys so much for rolling with us. Before we get out of here, got to tell you guys about Green Mountain Dental. We've had many, many people from our DNVR family go over to Green Mountain Dental over the years, and they've made them their permanent family dentist. They've told us just how great their experience was and that they truly do treat them like family, just like our sales director, Lindsay, who had her wisdom teeth removed at Green Mountain Dental earlier this year. And she says it was the best dental experience of her life. In fact, in the, uh, the dentist called her just a few days later personally to check up on her. That is the family care that Green Mountain Dental provides. And if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. Mace tells you just how good those Sonicare toothbrushes are, and they will give you one for free if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. So make sure to check out Green Mountain Dental. They've been a long time family member of ours. And they're only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. So check them out. Schedule that free or schedule that cleaning X-ray and exam. You'll receive that free Sonicare toothbrush. Well, Mace, that'll do it for us today. What a blast we've had this week. And, man, it's Raiders week. We'll see if the Broncos can come out with the big dub on the road in Las Vegas. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Thank you guys so much for rolling with us. We'll be live on YouTube just a few minutes after the end of the game to break down hopefully the highs. But if not, we'll be breaking down the lows as well. So make sure to check us out and thank you guys so much for rolling with us. Have a fantastic weekend.